Praise the Lord, friends, and welcome to the broadcast. I'm so glad that you tuned in today. We're talking about the subject of faith this week. I'm talking about have faith and doubt not. Do you know if you're a born-again believer, you do not have a faith problem? You have the exact same faith as Jesus. You have the spirit of Jesus Christ in you. You have the faith of Jesus. Faith is a fruit of the spirit according to Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. And according to Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11, you have the spirit of Christ in you as a believer. If you don't, then you're none of his. So if you have the spirit of Christ in you, the fruit of the spirit is faith. You have the exact same faith as Jesus in you. So you don't have a faith problem. Now, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, increase our faith. And they, they were thinking, hey, we got a faith problem here. And Jesus said, this is in Luke chapter 18. Jesus replied to them, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to the sick of tree, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and it would obey you. In other words, Jesus said, you don't need an increase of faith. You need to operate in faith. The challenge with the situation many times is that it's not that we don't have faith. It's that we have unbelief. And we're sometimes feeding our unbelief more than we're feeding our faith. I love something that Lester Sumrall used to say. He used to say, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. And so if you want to grow in the things of God and move forward in the things of God, you've got to feed your faith. Now, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 21, Jesus said, if you have faith and doubt not, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree. Jesus had cursed a fig tree and it immediately, within 24 hours, withered away. But he said, you might say to this mountain, be thou removed and be this cast in the sea, and it shall be done. And whatsoever you ask believing, you shall receive. Now, a lot of people are being challenged, you know, in this realm of faith. And so we've got to understand this aspect of faith. So it's not only the presence of faith, but there is many times the influence of doubt. And so we've got to begin to focus. And we, we went yesterday and we talked from Romans chapter 4. And, and we studied the life of Abraham and how Abraham received Isaac when, you know, his body was dead. He said he did not consider his body now dead nor the, the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he considered the promise of God greater than the problem. You see, faith is greater than unbelief. Faith will overcome unbelief, but you've got to get persuaded of, of promise. So the, what, what did we say? Faith is confidence or assurance. Faith is trust. Now, the people of great faith that I know, they're people that know God, and they have great confidence in God. Now, what we would say doubt is, doubt, doubt would be a lack of confidence or a lack of assurance or trust, not knowing really what God says in the situation. So uh, one of my good friends who was a businessman, he's went on to be with Jesus, but the man was a tremendous businessman. He, he actually said this, if you don't know what to do, maybe you should do nothing at all. And I think sometimes we should follow through with that a little bit. Um, you know, we're just trying to do something sometimes. And, and sometimes people get themselves in a world of hurt because they don't get real clarity from God about what to do. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, uh, Jesus uh, was in a situation, actually, the disciples, and Jesus had given the disciples a command to go across the sea. 
right? The, the Sea of Galilee, which is really a rather large lake. It's about 13 miles long, about eight miles wide. And Jesus had given this command to go to the other side. And while they were out there on the water, they got in a storm. Have you ever obeyed God, obeyed the Lord Jesus and found yourself in a storm? Well, I have. And it doesn't mean that you miss Jesus. See, some people think, well, man, if I'm in a storm, I must have, I must have, you know, missed Jesus. How, how, sometimes you get in a storm obeying Jesus. You know, Paul, when he made the decision to follow the call of the gospel, he, he went through a lot of challenges, difficulties with persecution and, and, and different problems he had as he was going about sharing the gospel. And so that doesn't mean that God didn't call him. God called him. But, you know, sometimes while we're in this world, there's challenges. So sometimes we get into problems just because we stepped out in faith, we obey Jesus. Sometimes we're, we're, it's because we're living in the world. Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've over, overcome the world. Sometimes we face a challenge because we got a flesh challenge, right? And, and the Bible says the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit's contrary to the flesh. And so sometimes there's a flesh problem and once in a while, it's even the devil. You know, the devil is your adversary. And just like there is a God in heaven, there's a devil in hell and the devil will try to fight you and, and different things. But you can stand on the word and defeat him just like Jesus defeated the devil. Mark chapter four and Luke chapter four defeated the devil by speaking the word of God. So how can we move into this thing, you know, where we really walk by faith? We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to verse 32. And as we read this, it says straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship. So he strongly encouraged them. I mean, basically put them in the ship. And he constrained them to get into the ship and go before him to the other side well, he sent the multitude away. So Jesus had been ministering. Uh, there were thousands of people there. I'm sure that he was tired, it had taken a toll on him. So he was ready to get out of there and head for Dodge, amen, get in a place where he could rest. And when he had sent the multitudes away, this is Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. He went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary to them. So sometimes the path of obedience can lead to contrary winds. He's in a place where things are contrary. A lot of people don't really believe that, but you, you can sometimes obey God and get in a storm. In the fourth watch of the night, so about 3 a.m. in the morning, so Jesus probably put them in 6, 7 p.m. at night, and now, you know, the fourth watch, so we're, they've been in there eight or nine hours, and or, or let's see, yeah, eight or nine hours, and, and they were, it was difficult. So in the fourth watch the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled and they said it is a spirit and they cried out for fear so fear rose up fear rose up because they were facing different challenges right they were in a storm and Peter answered and said Lord if it's you bid me to come unto you in the water and Jesus said come and when Peter was come down out of the ship he walked on the water to go to Jesus See, now when he took his eyes off Jesus and he saw the wind boisterous and the waves, he began to sink. Now, I, you know, I've never walked on water, whether it's in the bathtub or on the lake or anywhere else, whether it's still or calmer, I've never walked on water. So, you know, he put, took his eyes off Jesus and Jesus, the one who was giving him this ability and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and he beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him, O little of faith, why did you doubt? And when they were come to him from uh, into the ship, the, the wind ceased. So, you know, Jesus spoke to the storm. The storm calmed. And as, as the storm calmed, you know, they got into the ship and the, and the, and the wind ceased. And so they came and worshipped him in verse 33 and said, Of a truth, you're the Son of God. When they were gone, they came into the land of Gezeret. Now, when the man of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out a, a word into all the country and said, Bring unto him all that are diseased. And they besought him that they might touch him and the hem of his garment. And they might as a, um, and as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. So we, they had a great miracle on the other side of this challenge. And many times... You know, the devil may fight you in an instance, and I think he might fight you because he knows what's on the other side of your difficulty. He knows what's on the other side of your mountain. I believe my good friend Mark Hankins says this, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. Now, as we begin to look at these uh, situations and how we walk in faith in this situation, you know, what do we do when we get in the storm? What do we do when we face opposition? What do we do when the challenge comes? In fact, recently I've been preaching. I was talking about how I had a challenge years ago. And, uh, you know, I got in a situation. Actually, in 1997, 1998, we had a blizzard and I lost $100,000. I was pastor in eastern Colorado and had several, you know, probably 1,000 cattle or so. And 100, you know, million dollars of debt. I, I don't know. And, and then in 2004, 2005, I had several thousand head of cattle and we got in a bad blizzard over, you know, December, January, it's a horrible thing. And I lost about a quarter million dollars. Now, in that situation, the Lord spoke to me. Now, I thought about it. You know, the Lord didn't show me that storm was coming. I, I thought about it when I was in it. Lord, you could have showed me. I could have avoided this storm. And it was a terrible thing. Now, I have never blamed that storm on Jesus. I've never blamed the loss on Jesus. I know that the Lord is not the author of death, destruction, poverty, sickness in any way. I know that the Lord's good and i know that it's his desire to bless his people and i can show you promises of that all through the scripture but i also know there's a promise that says if a thief is found he has to repay seven times so when i got in that situation in 2004 2005 that i lost a quarter million dollars because of a terrible blizzard i started believing god like i never believed him i started believing god to return what the devil stole from me seven times and you know what i got it all back seven times it took me a number of years to do that but i got it back glory to god so so what do you do you know number one do not blame your problem on jesus jesus is not the problem you know no no you know and you know maybe you obey jesus but don't blame the problem on Jesus. The devil might have got in there somewhere. Your flesh might have got in there somewhere. You're in a world that's been affected by sin and Satan. But do not blame the Lord Jesus Christ for your problem. You know, you want to stop God and you want to stop the flow of God in your life. Start blaming God for your problem. That's exactly what Adam did in Genesis chapter 3. And it caused all kinds of problems for the human race. So just stop that right now. God is not to blame. God is the author of good and he only does good. If you study James 1.17 and John 10.10, John 10.10 says, The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and that life more abundantly. Some of these people that teach a, a false aspect of the sovereignty of God actually teach whatever comes your way, it came from God. 
I mean, if you committed adultery, that was God. I mean, if you believe what they say, they go crazy with this stuff. I mean, it's not God for you to commit adultery in any way. God didn't do that. That You did that on your own if you committed adultery. God loves you. God will forgive you. God will help you. God will deliver you. But friends, God is not the author of sin. You know what? If you made a business deal and went broke, God did not cause you to go broke. You went broke on your own. If somebody got sick and died, you know what? God is not the one that caused them to get sick. God is not. He is not the author of sickness. He's not the author of death. He's not the author of disease. He's not the author of lack. It is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundantly. You say, Pastor, I want another scripture on that because the Bible says... In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Well, James chapter 1, verse 17 says this. It says, every good and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with their, whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, if it's good, not good and not perfect, it could not come from God. He could not do it. God tempts no man with evil. That's what James chapter 1 said. So right there, I've got the mouth of three witnesses, praise God, and I can show you more and more and more, and I can show you promises. So God is not the author of sin. He's not the author of sickness. He's not the author of death. He's not the author of disease. He's not the author of lack in any way, shape, or form, period, end of story. Right before James 1.17 where it says, Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It says, do not err, my beloved brethren. In other words, don't turn from this. So, you know, I understand that simple theology. You may think I'm crazy, but you just go ahead and think it works for me, and I'm going to keep believing the word. The promises are working for me. Hallelujah. And I'm going to keep believing them. Now, we're going to go to this instance, you know, and, and here in Matthew chapter uh, 14, the disciples get in this storm, and it says, Jesus, he encouraged the disciples to get in the ship, and then they got in the ship to go before him. The other side sent the multitude away. When he sent the multitude away, he went up in the mountain to pray, and the evening was come, and he was there alone. I'm in Matthew 14, verse 23. Verse 24 says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night. So again, this is about... Three o'clock in the morning, they'd been in that ship, you know, some, you know, seven or eight hours, nine hours. And Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and said, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now, did you know perfect love casts out all fear? But immediately Jesus spoke to them, said, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. And he said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now, as we look at that, a number of things that we can see. But, you know, first of all, how did we get here? Obeying Jesus, living the world, your flesh, or the devil. You, you need to realize, even though you may have got in a bad situation obeying Jesus, it is not Jesus that caused the bad situation. And when you get in that situation, don't blame Jesus for the bad. Amen. You keep believing Jesus. So they're in this situation. Jesus comes walking on the water, would have passed them by, it says in one place. And, and, and the, then they cried out for fear. 
you know, thinking it was a spirit. And Jesus says it, be of good cheer. It's I be not afraid. So you need to keep believing Jesus. Praise God. You need to realize that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You know, the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. And, and you know what? There's not only a God in heaven that wants to bless you, help you, heal you, help you in every way. But there is a devil in hell that's trying to steal from you, kill you, destroy you any way that he can. You know, Satan is the author of sickness. I can give you a couple of verses on that in Luke chapter 13, where there's a woman who had an issue of blood for, I think, you know, some 18 years. She came to Jesus and Jesus healed her and the religious crowd was mad. He healed her in the synagogue and, and Jesus said, should not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, be healed on the Sabbath day? What's wrong, you hypocrites? He calls them hypocrites. Religion is hypocritical. And then another example is in Acts 10, 38, where the Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. See, Satan is the author of sickness, disease, and oppression. And, and Jesus came to heal all that were oppressed of the devil. So you keep believing Jesus because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Satan may be the God of this world, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Then 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says, Whosoever is born of God overcomes this world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the disciples are in that boat. They're, they're in a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water and says, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. I haven't left you even though you're in a storm. You're in a problem. You know, it's not too difficult for me to help you. So you keep believing me. Praise God. Galatians 5 verse 16 says this. If you've gotten the flesh, it says walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just turn around. I mean, start doing the right thing. If you've done the wrong thing, got in the wrong place, turn around. Praise God. You, you got in that mess. You made that mess. You can get out of that mess. Praise God. Believe God and get out of it. John 16, verse 33, in the world, if it's just because you're in the world. Sometimes the problems people have just because we're in the world. The world's been affected by sin and by Satan. John 16, 33, in the world, Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. There's going to be trouble in this world. But be of good cheer, for I, am in, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Did you know what? The, the goal of your faith as a believer is not to overcome sin and overcome Satan. The goal of your faith as a believer is to walk with Jesus. Praise God, it's a relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus has already come, overcome sin, overcome Satan, overcome the world. And when you believed on Jesus, he made you a world overcomer in him. Praise God. So 1 Peter chapter 5 talks about this also, verse 8 and verse 9. And it says, you know, well, let's just turn there in 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll read verse 8 and verse 9. He's talking about how we overcome the devil. Do you know Satan is our adversary? He is our enemy. He is the enemy of God. He's the enemy of, of good. He's the enemy of those that are God's, the children of God. Now, right here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 8, it says, Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Then verse 8 says this, Be sober, be watchful. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. So, man, when the devil comes at me, whether it's sickness, disease, poverty, anxiety, whatever it is, you know, strife, 
I'm resisting the devil. Sin. I, you know what? I hate sickness like I hate sin because it comes from the same place. Amen? I'm telling you, my wife Barbara and I, we don't baby each other when, when some, time of infirmity, some type of infirmity tries to touch itself to our body. We say, get up. Praise God. People die in bed. You get out of bed. Praise God. You start moving. That's a word for somebody. You get out. You know, I had a woman in my church, and she's 80 years old. And in this pandemic, her family had her scared and everything. And, and she started going into, I mean, she's just isolated from people and all locked up at home alone. And she started going in a very negative, uh, you know, condition. And they were saying, you know, she, she has, you know, where you lose your mind and can't remember things, dementia, and all these things. She went to her doctor. Her doctor said, you need to go back to church. Praise God. Thank you, doctor. Praise God. I've got some good doctors. I had, a, I had another doctor sent some people to my church. Said, you go over there and have that church pray for you. Because a lot of people at that church get healed. Glory to God. It's amazing when the doctors, this is a cancer doctor. He sent somebody to our church. Said, you go over and have that church pray for you. These people came and said, our doctor told us to come see you. Have, have you pray for us. Praise God. Well, we got a good reputation. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is the provider. Amen. And, you know, I had somebody say this years ago about our church. He said, it'd be hard to stay there and stay poor and sick. Glory to God. Because we preach so much about healing and prosperity. You know, I had another couple. I was just talking to them here. And they They've been in the church about a year and I just talking to him on a Wednesday night here not long ago and they said yeah God spoke to us told us to come to your church and, and we talked to our pastors and talked to the church where we were and gave them a month's notice and continue to work there and they said where are you going they said we're going over there to Karis Christian Center they said you're going to that prosperity church now I don't know if they said it in a positive way or a negative way but I'm here to tell you it's working the words working we're believing the promises and they're working there's over 2,000 scriptures about wealth riches and money in the in the Bible and we got churches that are afraid to teach what the Bible says about it. And we need to teach what the Word of God says so people can receive the promises and so we can finance the end time harvest. Praise God. And so Jesus, you know, Peter says here, be sober, be watchful because your adversary, the devil, you have the devil is the one trying to fight you and keep you out of what God has for you and keep you out of the promises of God. As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. You've got to resist the devil. So if the devil comes with sickness, don't just lay down and play dead and give in to it. You, you resist that sickness. You resist that disease. If he comes with some type of poverty and challenge, you know, I've had, you know, different men ministers that don't believe the full gospel, don't believe some of the things, whenever I'd have a problem in the cattle business, well, maybe God didn't call you to get in that. Maybe you better quit. And I'm not in it anymore. You know, God, I believe, you know, got me out. And so I'm thanking God and moving forward. We're doing good. God blessed us and helped us with that for years. But we're not, but, but at the same point in time, if I quit every time I had a problem, man, I, I would have just went broke years ago. But I don't quit when I have a problem. You know what? When the tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You, you just keep believing God. So it says you resist. Now, how do you resist the devil? <coughs> we resist the devil the same way Jesus resists the devil. You say, Pastor, how did Jesus resist the devil? Jesus resisted the devil by speaking the word of God. And when the devil came to him, Jesus spoke the word of God and overcame the devil. The devil said, I'm going to leave and come back at a more opportune time. Praise God. Jesus just kept beating him. Amen. With the word. Hallelujah. He hit him with the word. So you hit the devil with the word. If the devil comes out at you with sickness, you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. He sent his word and healed me. Praise God. He restores my health. 
and heals me of my wounds. The son of righteousness has arisen with healing in his wings. He blesses my bread and my water and takes sickness from the midst of me. You say what the word says about that. If he comes and gives poverty, you say, thank God my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the fruit of my body, blessed in the fruit of, you know, my field, blessed in my business. Everything I touch, I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the, you start speaking the word of God. You start saying the covenant of God, amen? Agree with what God says about you. So he says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. That in, in other words, you're not the only person with this problem. Jesus was tempted in all points like you are, yet without sin. Praise God. Jesus took sickness on the cross. Jesus took anxiety in the garden of Gethsemane. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Amen. The devil's come at you with anxiety. You say, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You begin to speak the word of God. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give, with, give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. John 14, verse 27. You start saying the word of God, and you start resisting the devil, standing up against these challenges and these difficulties that the enemy would try to bring to you so that you can overcome. Again, the goal of Christianity is not to overcome sin, overcome Satan, overcome the world. The goal of Christianity is a relationship with God because Jesus has already overcome sin, overcome Satan, overcome the world. And when you're born into Christ, you are made a world overcomer. Whosoever is born of God overcomes this world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, friends, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have overcome this world. If you have never received Jesus, or if you don't know that you're right with him, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a minute, praise God, and you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. I believe that he died for my sins and you raised him from the dead. And Jesus, right now, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I surrender my life to you. I receive your forgiveness of sins. And I ask you to strengthen me and help me. And I'll, and I'll serve you, Jesus, as you give me the strength. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you give us a call. If you'd like to get this series, Have Faith and Doubt Not, I got a lot more on this than I can teach in these times here. You give us a call, or if you need prayer, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, and blessings.